0: Thanks for being here this morning. If you have a Bible, I'm going to encourage you to turn to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, or look it up on your phone. We uh, finished up our study through the book of Daniel last week. And we're going to spend the next few weeks on um, our Advent series. But we're going to look at this morning at Daniel chapter or excuse me, Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 17 down through verse 26. Acts chapter 3, verses 17 through 26. And Peter and John um, had gone into the temple. They had given the, and healed a man who was sitting outside the temple, and the people were all amazed by it. And this is Peter speaking to the people after this miracle of the lame beggar being healed. And he says in verse 17... This is just shortly after Jesus' death and his resurrection, and then explaining it to the people. And says in verse 17, And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out Father, Lord, thanks for your word. Lord, thanks for the truth of your word and the help of your word. And thanks for the fact that we can gather together at the beginning of the week freely to worship you and to hear from your word. So Holy Spirit, I pray you would just speak to us, speak through your word this morning. Help us to see a greater picture of Jesus. And God, I pray you just work in Unique way in our lives just to remove every distraction from us and help us just to continue to hope in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. December is arranged to help us, if we choose, to think much about Jesus. I mean, Jesus is the central figure of history. He's the central figure of scripture for sure. One historian said this, "...regardless of what anyone may personally think or believe about him, Jesus of Nazareth has been the dominant figure in the history of Western culture for almost 20 centuries." Jesus is the central figure of history. He's the central figure of Scripture. And during the month of December, the way it is set up for us, it's for us, if we choose, we can make much and see a bigger picture of Jesus, which this has clearly brought up all kinds of controversies for Many people, and even confusion in our culture, and often at Christmas times, it gets highlighted by it. There's always the, the question and the controversies. I mean, is Christmas a pagan holiday? Is it something that has just been uh, created and, and, and they've thrown Jesus at it? Or the controversy of you should just keep Christ out of Christmas and just don't mention Jesus at all. Then there's also confusion that comes along with it, 65%. Of Americans say that Christmas should be more about Jesus, but a recent survey done by, of Americans said many of them, nine out of ten of them, don't think they're even capable of explaining the basic Christmas Jesus account and getting the details accurate. Many people are okay with just a cradled baby Jesus. I mean, the world's fine with that. They, they don't have a problem. Many people are just even comforted by this. They could walk into any church in this country. They could see a manger scene. They could not have any heart for Jesus at all, but there's a sense that they could, even, they could be comforted by that. They could be even encouraged by that. But to let Jesus come of age and have to deal with the comments made by Jesus or the conversations of Jesus and the cross of Jesus, and it causes a great stir, just a great controversy amongst people and even in in our culture. But for the followers of Jesus, that's what we're called to do. This is what we're called to do. We're supposed to make much about Jesus. I mean, Jesus said, follow me, which means come close to me. Let Jesus Christ be big in your life. Let let, let him be as big as he is is c.s lewis wrote uh the book Chronicles of Narnia, there's a number of books in it, and one of the books, there's the character of Aslan, who's a lion, and Aslan is the Christ character in the book, and there's a little girl named Lucy, and Lucy and Aslan have talked, and Lucy's a little girl, and at one point in the book, she hasn't seen Aslan the lion for a very long time, and he comes back, and he sees her, and it had been a long time since the little Lucy had seen him, and she says to Aslan, Lucy says, "'You're bigger.'" And he's, Aslan the lion says, That is because you're older, little one. And she says, Not because you are. And Aslan says, I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. That's what it should be for us as Christians at Christmas time, with a whole month that is geared in many ways for Christians to focus on Jesus and to see Jesus for who he is and what he is. It should expand our view of Jesus. It should make us draw closer to him and to see him become bigger to us. And how can we grow and expand in our thinking and trust in Jesus during this Christmas season? Have you ever wondered why the celebration of Jesus' birth is called Christmas? Or have you ever wondered why Jesus' followers are called Christians? I mean, contrary to what many people think, Jesus Christ, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is a particular title for Jesus. It's a a significant title given to Jesus that Jesus in Matthew 16, he gladly gladly accepted that title. Christ is the Greek word for Messiah, which is the Hebrew word for anointed. And one of the ways that for centuries, Christians had tried to get a bigger view of Jesus, a bigger view of Christ, a bigger view of the Messiah, was to to see Jesus in all the the roles that he played, all the functions that he has, to view Christ and to see him as the anointed prophet prophet, priest, and king. Because for the nation of Israel, when you read your Bible, and for the nation of Israel and the people of God, there were three major offices of the prophet, the priest, and the king. All of them were anointed. If you remember, the prophets in Isaiah 61 talks about that. They were anointed. uh, Anointed Elisha with his cloak. The priests in Leviticus 18, they were all anointed. Oftentimes, they were anointed by oil. King David, if you remember, was anointed by oil. Samuel, all of them. They, they anointed offices of prophet, priest, and king. All of these were were used for the people of Israel to see that these were the offices that God set up to help them know God, and he set them apart. And all three of them were separate offices in the Old Testament. They were distinct. There was not a person who was a prophet and a priest. There was not a king and a prophet. There wasn't a priest and a king. There was a prophet, there was a priest, and there was a king, and all three of them were anointed in some ways. But for us, we will see that all the Bible points to Jesus being all three of those things. He is the ultimate prophet, the ultimate priest, and the ultimate king. And this is. Helpful to us to see Jesus for who he is, to see how big Jesus actually is. And this is helpful for you when you read your Bible. Sometimes it's very hard to pick up your Bible and to try to figure out what's going on in the Old Testament to see what's going on here. When you see these roles of prophet, priest, and king, they're kind of like landmarks for you to see that this is going someplace. There's a point in this. That this It helps connect the whole Bible together, that, they were, that there is a prophet, priest, and king. It connects the scriptures for us. It also connects the promises of God for us, that there is these promises made in the Old Testament, and you're reading along trying to figure out, where is all this fulfilled? But as you trace these landmarks, we will see that they were all fulfilled in jesus they 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 were directional and they're very descriptional as well They, they 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 all point to that there's an ultimate priest there's an ultimate prophet and there is an ultimate king coming jesus christ the messiah jesus the anointed one someone said this christ And Christ alone is fitted to be a mediator between God and man. He is the prophet, priest, and king of the church of God. And each one of those... Each one of those functions, each one of those roles helps us better understand and appreciate the work of Jesus as our mediator, to help us know and see God for who he is. And so for the next three weeks for our Advent series, as we look to Christmas, we're going to take each one of those of prophet, priest, and king, and help us look at that through scripture to help us get a bigger view of Jesus and expand our view for Jesus as our great prophet, our great priest, and our great king. And this week, we're going to look at Jesus is the prophet. What's a prophet? What's an explanation of a prophet? Is a prophet in the Old Testament is a, pro- is a person who reveals God to us. That's what the prophets did. They, they, they revealed God to us. They spoke God's words to us. When we hear prophets, many people just think that it's all about the future, they, they, they told the, the future, which was a part of what the prophets did. But the prophets revealed future plans. Daniel did that. As a prophet, and the Bible talks about that. But the, really, the prophets were about proclaiming God's truth. That was a major part of what they did. That's why they would say, "This thus says the Lord. This is what God wants you to know. The prophets were those who helped teach what God's people needed to know. And we see that all through the Old Testament. That's what a prophet did. He spoke the words of God to God's people to help them know what they needed to know. To know but why do we need a prophet why did the people need a prophet why do we need a prophet one of the great reasons is because we have a god who wants to speak to us and has spoken to us because god speaks and this is how he wants to speak to us, but he's unbelievably holy, and we are not holy. We, have, we needed a mediator between the two of us. God speaks is why we needed a prophet, but also Satan is very crafty in wanting to shut God out. Remember in Genesis chapter 3? When he, God created the world, people are in communication with God. They're speaking to God. Adam and Eve are talking to God. And then Satan craftily wants to destroy that relationship. He wants to destroy the communication. He comes into Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, and he says, did, did God actually say, has God really communicated to you? Has God really spoke to you? Satan wanted us to destroy the communication between man and God, and he, and he did we chose self. We chose to go against what God said. We chose to go against God's teaching. We chose to go against what God informed us that He wanted us to know. And because of that, all of us have been naturally separated from God in our ability just to come to God naturally and speak to Him freely. There's a, there a wall in between those things. In Ephesians Romans 1 talks about that. And Ephesians 4:17 says this. It says, "Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, or to practice every kind of impurity. This is the natural state of us. Without God's voice being heard in our lives, we, we walk away from God. We, we, we naturally don't want to listen to God. We choose our own way. And Romans 1 says we have gone. God has given us, given people over to that direction, partly because they are darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from life. that They're ignorant, and they're, oh, due to the hardness of their heart, sin came into the world, And the voice of God was refused to be heard by humans. And there was a gulf between those. Sin is like noise-canceling headphones. God is speaking. He continually speaks. But our sin cancels that. We can't hear God. We don't want to hear God. We choose not to hear God because we are ignorant and we want to avoid all that God has to say. We want to go our own way. And left to ourselves, we need a mediator. We need somebody to come in and help us. We can't see it on our own. We need help outside of ourselves. There's a big scandal going on network news and people getting fired from their jobs for helping their brothers do things they shouldn't do. And, and so one of the people talking about this recently, they, they said that they thought this company who was gonna deal with the situation couldn't just do an internal evaluation. They needed help outside themselves. And, and they said this, they said, one of the articles said, only an outside team of professionals can stop malicious neglect or consciously wrong behavior by those who engage in it or enable it. That's true for you as well. You are not gonna turn to God on your own. You are not gonna see God on your own. You're not gonna wanna hear God on your own. Left to ourselves, we are dark, we are alienated, we are ignorant of the things of God. We needed help outside of ourselves and we need help outside of ourselves to hear what God has to say. My neighbor, who uh, and her husband, they they lived next. They lived in their house for thirty some years, and uh, so I've known them for many years. I was over there helping them one day, and uh, my neighbor, he's he kind of independent, likes to do what he wants to do. He had some knee surgery. shouldn't have shouldn't have done his knee surgery. Sure should, should not have uh, been doing what he was doing after knee surgery, and so I was talking to his wife, and she. Said something, and then he just kept walking, and then she didn't say anything again. And I kind of laughed, and she just turned around, and she says, Well, I learned long ago, Paul, that unsolicited advice is seldom heeded. Unsolicited advice is seldom heeded. This is how we are left in our sins. No matter what we hear, no matter what we hear, if we left to ourselves, we're not going to listen to unsolicited advice we, we needed help our sin has separated us from God but God desires to speak to us and he's spoken to us through his word through his prophets and ultimately through Jesus Hebrews 1 1 and 2 says long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. What's it going to take to hear the voice of God? It's going to take help outside of yourselves. It's going to take God himself to speak to his son to wake us up. This is what a prophet does. And the people of God expected this prophet. How do we know that Jesus was that prophet? How do we know he was the one that the Old Testament was talking about? In Deuteronomy chapter 18, Moses is giving... All these teachings about how to, with the different roles for the people of Israel, the priest, the kings, and Moses is the greatest prophet that has, had existed up to that point. In Deuteronomy 18, verse 15, it says, Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is him you shall listen to. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up from them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that is that I have commanded. The people heard their greatest titanic prophet, Moses, speak. And he said to them, there's going to be a greater prophet, Moses says, than, than me coming. And that's who you're supposed to listen to. And so the nation of Israel and the people of God as you read the Old Testament, they watched all these other prophets come, Daniel and Jeremiah, and all all the way through all the prophets that you never read in the Old Testament. All these guys spoke, but none of them ever reached the level of Moses, the great prophet. But then Jesus came on the scene. He walked among the people. When you read in the Gospels, the people saw what Jesus, they, they, they saw what Jesus was doing. And, and they said, that This is the prophet. In Luke chapter 7, when Jesus is walking along, and the widow of Nan's son had died, and he walks and comes across the funeral, and he sees them carrying her only son, and he sees her weeping in Luke 7, and Jesus heals him and the widow's son is raised, the response of the people in Luke seven sixteen, is, a great prophet has risen, arisen among us, and God has visited his people. In John chapter 6, when Jesus feeds the 5,000, he got everybody all together, and everybody's eating, and at the end of this big meal in verse 14, it says, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this indeed is the prophet who has come into the world and Jesus himself in Luke 4 when after he defeated Satan and he walked into the temple for the first time and he walks up in the synagogue and he's and he goes and he opens the scroll and he reads Isaiah 61 and he stands up and he reads it and he says to them this is being fulfilled in your eyes and he goes and sits back down And all the people are in amazement of it, and they they are frustrated and confused by it, and they say, isn't this Joseph the carpenter's son? And Jesus in in verse 24 says, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. Jesus knew who he was. Jesus was the ultimate prophet that all the people had been looking for. Jesus wasn't just the prophecy. Jesus is the prophecy. In John 1, it says, Jesus is, the Bible says, Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We need more than just the voice of God. We need more than just a prophet. We need a prophet, we need a priest, and we need a king. We need Jesus to fill all of these roles. The end of Jesus is like life in Luke 24 when you are, when he was crucified, rose, and the only people in Jerusalem who didn't know about it were two little disciples of his from Jerusalem who are on their way to Emmaus and they're walking along and they're frustrated and they're sad and they're discouraged and Jesus shows up on the scene and he starts talking to them. This is what Jesus said about himself. He said, Then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. Jesus said everything that Moses said, Everything that was said in the Old Testament, all of it, everything that God wants you to know was about me. Everything was about me, Jesus says. I am the ultimate fulfillment of the prophecy. I am the prophet and I am the fulfillment of the prophet. And they had this great expectation. Jesus came to us as a prophet to teach what God wants us to know. And to reach us and to transform us. And that calls for us and calls to you a response. That there is what a prophet does, he tells what God wants you to know, he teaches us. And the, the ultimate prophet is Jesus. He said it all over in the New Testament. You can find all over numerous passages where Jesus recognized himself as the promised prophet, the greater prophet that Moses was talking about. But, but what's the big so what about that? What, what does it matter? What, what, what that's all this good stuff, Paul, but what, what does it matter? We are called to embrace the prophet. There is a verse in 1 Timothy 2.5 that says, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. That's the ultimate hope of Christmas. That's, the, that's your only hope in this life and in eternity is if you understand and if you believe what 1 Timothy 2.5 says, for there is one God, and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Every other piece of information you've ever been told, every other piece of knowledge about somebody else that you know means nothing if you don't understand and know this. What's it mean to embrace the Prophet Jesus? It means first of all to, to hear him, to to hear him. You know why preaching's hard. Why well, by sharing the, the Word of God with people is hard. There's nothing that I can say to to wake somebody up spiritually. There's nothing that I can say that will, will move you in any spiritual direction. The only hope that we have is the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, and Jesus is the word. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when the word of God is preached, it's like Jesus is walking down the aisles, touching and healing people. If the Holy Spirit doesn't do that, if Jesus doesn't wake you up, nothing will wake you up. We are called to hear Jesus. We are so clouded with other things to hear. We we will push it constantly away. And Jesus, on on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter and John, in Luke chapter 9... The disciples are with Jesus. They see Moses come down. They see Elijah come down. And they're standing there with Jesus and they are in awe of this. And their response to it is, what should we do? Should we build a monument for the three of you? This is amazing. Never seen anything like this in our our lives. We, 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 we We gotta mark this in some way. And they're all excited trying to figure out how they should mark what Jesus did and the Moses and Elijah and the experience. And all of a sudden out of heaven, The father speaks. He says, this is my beloved son. He doesn't say, worship him. He he doesn't say, He the father says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. What we're called to do is to embrace what the prophet does. He teaches and shows us what God wants us to know. We're supposed to hear him. Hear him. Have you heard Jesus speak to your life? Where you would say, yeah, there's one God, and there's one mediator between God and man, and it's the man Christ Jesus. That idea will sound insane to you. There's so many other religions. How can you say Jesus is the only way? Because Jesus is the only way. It will sound absurd. It doesn't seem to make sense. How can God become man? How can a man die and be rose, risen again? It makes no sense unless God wakes you up to it. Have you heard the voice of God? God speaks, and he's calling you, and he's saying, listen to him. There's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Hear him. And then if you have done that, we are to hope in him. This is how we get our courage and our conviction. The living word of God is still alive. Jesus rose from the dead. He's still with us. He's, he's reigning now. He who began a good work in you will complete it into the day of Jesus Christ. Be courageous. Be convinced of this. Some of you have said, you know what? I kind of believe this. I'm still doing all my religious things. I'm showing up at church. I'm kind of functioning. But I haven't heard God speak to me in a long time. First of all, it's not true. Every time you open your Bible, God's speaking to you. This is how he speaks to you. When we gather, God's speaking to you right now as you're hearing through me the word of God. He's speaking to you. The issue isn't, is God speaking? God's always speaking. The question is, will we listen and will we hope? You're like, well, my my faith is starting to kind of crumble. It's not as strong as it used to be. Then open your Bible and hear God speak. I don't feel like it. Then open your Bible and hear God speak. This is how he speaks to us. He speaks to us through his word. And the promise is, he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. We have great hope in that we need to hope in him. One of the biggest things about this season in all of our lives is is communication. This is a tremendous opportunity for communication. but There's communication breakdowns constantly, isn't there? I mean, this is what it means to even be human almost, is to have communication breakdowns. But at Christmas time and Thanksgiving time, even more, because it's these some of these most cherished relationships that are most complex and are most complicated that cause all types of communication breakdown. And how does Jesus being the prophet help you to hear him? How does it help you to hope in him? And how does it help you in a real life this week where these life situations you're going to walk into a couple weeks at Christmas holidays and gatherings at work and with friends and different family members are very complex and are very complicated and communication breakdowns seem to happen all over the place. There is one person who wants to just destroy the communication that we have. This is Satan's ultimate plan and goal. He wanted to destroy it between God and man. And he he would toss out things like, has God really said? Did God really communicate to you properly? And he still does it in our own lives and with our own situations. Here's how we humble ourselves to the prophet Jesus. Because Jesus, in his prophet role of teaching and telling us what God wants to know, he offers us great wisdom. He's given us his word. You want to know how to get along with some of your family members during Christmas? Read the book of Proverbs. Let God teach you, hey, this is what God wants you to know. Read Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 7 with the Beatitudes. And this is how God would have you speak and be. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the pure in heart. Take Luke chapter 7 this afternoon. Sit down. And say, how, how, how would you want me to, to walk into Christmas this year? And God will speak to you. He'll show you, this is how I want you to walk. This is what the prophet does. He teaches us what we need to know. And then ask God, with Psalms 25, 5 in your heart, lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. And just wait. God has spoken and He's spoken to us in His Son. We need to hear Him. We need to hope in Him for our confidence and courage. We need to humble ourselves before Him so that we can walk in wisdom with each other and with others. And then what we need to do is we need to herald Him. We need to help others hear Jesus. The the, the, Christmas carol is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. They proclaimed, they spoke what God wanted people to know that Jesus has come. This is the message as you walk into the rest of this year Jesus has come. This is what God wants people to know. This is what God wants people to know at your workplace. He wants them to know that there's one God. And that there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. This is what he wants your family members to know. This is what he wants you to know. But if you're not convinced of that reality, if you're not convinced yourself that Jesus is the only way, that Jesus is the mediator between God and man, you're not going to open your mouth up and speak it. But we are called to herald it, to proclaim it to other people. It's the Holy Spirit's job to do the rest of it. But the Holy Spirit will take your words. He'll he'll take it and he'll start to open up people's minds. This is what he does. Through his word, through a word, through the name Jesus, in so many different ways. Some of you have had that happen in your own experience. But the word of God is living, it's powerful. And it's our job to proclaim it, to point other people to it, and just to see it. But we've got to believe that the name of Jesus is sweet for us to hear. It's sweet for us to share. That the baby in the manger didn't stay a baby in the manger. He rose up to teach the world who he is and to show the world who he is. That God has spoken to us through His Son, hear Him. When's the last time you could say you've heard God, where you are listening to Him, where it's starting to convince you even more and building your courage and humbling you to confess sins and to correct situations, where you're willing to say, I'm going to take the risk because I'm convinced that if you don't know Jesus, There's no hope, but if you know Jesus, there's great hope. The name of Jesus is sweet. The teachings of God are true. John Newton, years ago, he wrote an old hymn that says this, how sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes our sorrows, heals our wounds, and drives away our fear." It makes the wounded spirit whole. Tis manna to the hungry soul and to the weary rest. O Jesus, shepherd, guardian, friend, my prophet, priest, and king. My Lord, my life, my way, my end. Accept the praise I bring. How weak the effort of my heart. How cold my warmest thought. But when I see you as you are, I praise you as you. I ought. Are you praising God in such a way that Jesus is getting bigger to you this Christmas season? That that's the desire of your heart, that Jesus would be big, that you would mature in seeing him and who he is as you listen to him, as you hope in him, as you humble yourself before him, and as you herald him to others. Let Jesus be big. He is God's word to us.